Good evening, revolutionaries, non-revolutionaries, dogs, cats, mice and men, manginas and everything in between. Welcome to the Fred Hampton and the Suites. Welcome home. Daddy's missed you. I have missed you so much. I'm missing me. And I don't always feel like me whenever I'm uh, away for too long. But what is me? Who is I? Who are you? It's easy to lose touch. And part of that way that we lose touch with ourselves, with the world around us, and generally with life is is one of the subjects of today's show. This is part of our continuation on the idea of media literacy. What does it mean? Why do you need it? How can you use it to understand your world a little bit better? So the first part to really discuss here is what what is you? Who is you? Who are you? And why does it matter? Well, if you remember last time, we talked about the propaganda model. And that is a model that uh, was developed by Noam Chomsky and Edward Herman about how there are certain filters in our society and a system of filters and constraints which shape and control the information that reaches the public and ultimately shaping public opinion. We talked about those filters. We went over all four of them. And the fifth one, which we added, uh, talked about how that affects what information gets to you and and why. So today I want to really talk about like why one aspect of it that I think, well, one aspect of sort of just living in society that, that makes it well, first, an example of specific example of another filtering process that's used that ends up becoming propaganda and how this filtering process interacts with you and your quote unquote authentic self. So now that we got that out of the way, let's just get into it, talk a little bit about it, okay? I want to talk about advertising today, just a little bit. But advertising is something that is so ubiquitous to 
American life, not just capitalism, but really American life, that it becomes hard to really, you really don't realize how much advertisements or how many advertisements you're exposed to day in and day out until you step back, get out of the country, find some other fresh perspective. I was reading somewhere that the average American is exposed to something like 3,000 plus advertisements a day. And if you don't know what the purpose of an advertisement is, like really what the purpose of advertising is, it's, it's only real purpose is to get people, viewers, to engage in some type of behavior. Usually spending money, consuming something. I mean, its primary purpose is to influence consumer behavior and generate demand for the advertised products. And really, if you don't believe me, let me explain why you should. First of all, you're fuck you <laughs> if you don't believe me. I'm always honest, okay? I have never told a lie in my entire life. And, uh, but let me explain to you anyway, if you're skeptical, okay? So uh, the purpose of advertising really I mean, it's, it's still a fairly new industry when you think about it, right? The, the idea of advertising agencies, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people here will remember the show Mad Men, which was all about sort of how advertisements were became more and more, uh, I guess, clever in the ways that they got people to desire certain products. Uh, usually, if you need something, if you, you know, have nails and you need a hammer, that's enough to tell you, hey, I have a hammer. It will help you with your nails. That's enough advertising. That will get you to buy the product. But really what advertising is today is it's, it's something that is tapping into our desires, our aspirations, appealing to our emotions, our ambitions, our insecurities. And they're creating a connection between some kind of product and the fulfillment of these desires. So it's making us believe that acquiring a product will bring us happiness or success or make us more attractive or make our dicks like real fat. And it taps into those innate desires and aspirations and appeals to our emotions and ambitions because it wants us to buy something. And that's a key here is that not only is it that it's it's not just that, well, let me put it this way. Really, whether or not the product actually works in making us more attractive, quote unquote, and bringing us happiness, I'm saying quote unquote because I'm doing air quotes, whether it actually makes our dick bigger, that doesn't matter. What matters is the need to tap into those desires to get us to buy something. Does that make sense? Advertisements only care if you buy the message that's being sold. It doesn't matter whether the thing actually works. And it's the message which the advertiser wants you to believe, think, and feel. As long as you're buying it, it's working. Another thing about advertising is it's often employing persuasive techniques to manipulate your decision-making process. 
So advertisers are using various strategies, um, you know, fucking celebrity endorsements, uh, just all kinds of shit to create a sense of urgency, to create a sense of need, to create a sense of want. And oftentimes this means creating a sense of uh, insufficiency in yourself. You are not enough without this product. You are not enough without, I don't know, this makeup, this bag, this whatever it is, right? The, the idea is to tap into that, to make you believe in something or that you need something in order to believe in something. So it relies on the reputation of messages and brand exposure. It, it, it relies on bombarding you with these, ultimately, with these ideas that you are inadequate. Or that there's a sense of loss or a sense of something missing from you. And if you're being exposed to 3,000 plus of these fucking advertisements every day, passively, then it's really hard not to walk around this world and this country and think that you are enough. Because what even is enough? What even is you, <laughs> right? Who are you? And how much can your perception of who you are or who you should be or what you're supposed to be doing or whether anything makes any fucking sense, how much of that is actually coming from you and how much of it is actually coming from what's being sold to you or what people are trying to sell you passively and actively. Uh, you're engaging with these advertisements more passively, but what they're actively trying to sell you uh, basically at every moment of your life that you're awake. So when advertisers are relying on the repetition of these messages, the repetition of thinking, you know, creating feelings that you're inadequate, these, this psychological sort of getting into your brain and making you do things, um, or, or making you think that you're not enough or making you think that you're doing the wrong things, all these things that we've talked about, the, the cumulative effect of that exposure can kind of distance you or create some kind of distance between what you believe your actual goals or life or purpose should be and what uh, what they want your purpose to be. And if that's not making much sense, you know what, let me give you just an example of how uh, advertisements, I mean, you, you don't need me to give you an example of how advertisements will pull at your heartstrings, will pull at every part of you just to get you to do something, but I want to play this anyway because it's a lot of fun. Just let's go with an example of like a real classic sort of advertisement here. Um, so it's not always trying to sell you something directly, but it is always trying to create some kind of effect. And here's one of my favorite 
potentially advertisements of all time. Not that one. That's an advertisement of a cat. It's an advertisement. This is great. I have to go through an advertisement on YouTube in order to play you a fucking advertisement. I mean, God bless America, baby. All right, here we go. Every single hour in BC, an animal is violently abused. Three thousand animals were rescued last year. Hundreds of others. Help came too late. Show a Chihuahua. Hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Will you be an angel for a helpless animal? Every day, innocent animals are abused, beaten, and neglected, and they're crying out for help. Please call the number on your screen. And join the BC SPCA with a monthly gift right now. For just $18 a month, only 60 cents a day, you'll help rescue animals from their abusers and provide medical care, food, shelter, and love. Call or join online in the next 30 minutes and you'll receive this welcome kit with the photo of an animal in the shelter right now. One who's been given a second chance, thanks to you. To you. There's a dog. Okay. So that's, that's, look. The BCSPCA. Your call says, I'm here to help. Your call says, I'm here to help. Now, that's an advertisement. I, I chose that one both because it's iconic. I'm sure everyone has heard that one at some point in time. If you're living anywhere in BC or, 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 uh, the United States, you've, I mean, that one's like a meme level status of how popular it is, right? Uh, but I also chose it because it has a lot of those advertising qualities built into it, right? The sense of purpose, the pulling at your heartstrings, the fact that you are given importance, you're saving the animal, which in this case may actually be true, right? Maybe your contribution is actually going to save some dog from not getting, you know, completely fucked. But the there's these other parts of this advertisement, too, which are interesting. You know, the call in the next 30 minutes and we'll give you this picture of a chihuahua like that's that's creating this sense of urgency, this sense of need and immediacy right now. Uh, these are the same techniques that are used with with, uh, you know, pretty much all of advertising and why I think that's so important to understand in terms of getting to the propaganda model or the idea of manufacturing consent and the idea of media literacy is that understanding the desire of the advertiser in that they want to get something out of you, understanding the techniques as to what they're doing to create this authentic sense or this, this, this idea of 
an authentic sort of connection between you and a product or you and a desired outcome that they want from you. All of these things are the same when it comes to a lot of media. When it comes to stories about why we should go to war with X country, when it comes to stories about um, why you should vote for this candidate or that candidate, there is always this same sort of model. If you understand how advertisements work and the advertisement model, a lot of that you can take and copy and paste it right over politics and you can understand a lot. Now, why do I say advertisements in the authentic self? Because I I don't know how hippy dippy to get with this, but if you all have some like shrooms or I don't know, if you all have something laying around that you've been trying to to take for a little bit, we're going to get into the hippy dippy part of this uh conversation, okay? It's a little different. Stay with me. I believe in you. I fucking believe in you. And that's not an advertisement because I'm not selling you anything. Okay? But it's a little bit of an advertisement because I'm trying to get you to listen. <laughs> okay? So, there is a a pattern, especially in American politics, which is really about creating a sort of inauthentic sense of desire while trying to make you as a voter or as a citizen as out of touch with whatever your authentic self is as possible. And why is that the case? I mean, that's my, I, I really believe in that. Um, because the goal for a political establishment, the goal for a, a society that cannot tell you the truth, that relies on you being misinformed or uh, disincentivized and innate in order for it to continue and for the powerful to continue hoarding and keeping their power is to give you a sense of authenticity without any true authenticity, to rob you of authenticity, to, to rob you of any sense of true sort of authentic feelings insofar as those exist, right? Now, what do I mean by that? And why, why am I, why do I believe this? Well, let's start with consumption. If my product, my service, if my goal relies on me, I don't know, selling you something, and if I can't just sell you something by showing you a nail and then saying I have a hammer, by describing the product itself and for you to make the decision of whether or not you need it, if I'm unable to do that, then as we discussed with like an advertisement kind of model, I need to create a desire in you. I need for you to believe that 
this product, this thing is going to fill some kind of hole within you. And if you don't have any holes in you, hey, oh, I got holes. <laughs> okay, but for real, if you don't have any holes in you, I mean, like, I'm going to create the holes. I need you to believe that you have holes in you so that I can fill them with cheese sauce and little woven baskets and whatever the fuck I need to sell. And I need you to believe that whatever I'm selling you is going to fill those holes. Now, here's the thing with authenticity is there've been a lot of, you know, there's so much out there on authenticity. There's this idea that even when, you know, like there's what profilicity theory now, which is where in the age of social media and of constant sort of advertising yourself or constantly being in front of people and being uh, disconnected from your true desires or just like your own like gut. There's, there's this idea that maybe we're, we're, we're always performing for people. We're always trying to, I don't know, like get something from them or to get ourselves to be perceived some way, whatever. But the idea of authenticity itself, as I'm describing it here, is really just having some sort of true being in touch with like how you feel on a day-to-day basis, how you feel and maybe why you feel that way. You know, this idea that you can look at study after study after study, uh, which looks at things like depression rates going up. I mean, there's been a lot of talk in the, I don't know, some kind of New York Times and all these other articles about like people kind of, uh, you know, the rise of depression, the rise of people on antidepressants, the rise of uh, sort of suicidal ideation and attempts in uh, the youth and in just really across all age groups. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that like authenticity is a key for all of that, but I think that there is a real epidemic of people who are going through the motions in life and don't really know what the fuck they're doing or why they're doing it or who feel like they're not where they're supposed to be and have this idea of where they're supposed to be. Right. So when I'm talking about authenticity, I'm talking about this ability to just kind of look inward at yourself and be in tune to be really in touch with your own desires. Uh, Maybe it will help if I give an example. Uh, Have you ever been just like uh, maybe a personal example? I'm trying to think of it. You know, I, I've, I used to have, uh, and I still do, like I, I could get really worked up and angry about things. Uh, and I could get angry about things in relationships before to where I'm with somebody and, uh, you know, we start arguing and I start yelling and, I didn't know quite why I was yelling because it never felt good. It, it, look, it doesn't feel good to like yell at people who you care about. Like that feels like shit. But here I am doing it anyway. And I couldn't really figure out why. 
I, I really could not figure out why. And I sort of had to, I had to, you know, did things like therapy and I got this book called, um, dialectical cognitive behavioral therapy. And I was reading through it and there's a bunch of like exercises and stuff in there that you can do. But really there's this idea of like, I had these, like this flood of emotions coming up and me wanting to project it outwards and not really knowing how to land it or where to land it. And in sort of understanding, you know, as well, actually, as Lysol says in the chat, you know, um, understanding that there are just certain things that I could not control, understanding kind of the fear that I was feeling, you know, this fear that, I don't know, I wasn't good enough or I wasn't, I wasn't going to be lovable or that I had to sort of hold on to this thing as hard as I could. Uh, I, I had to sort of understand that and look at sort of why I had to almost have enough like self referential. I don't, I don't know what you call it. Like be in tune enough with what I was doing and why I was doing it to have a more authentic response. And I, I think that there's a lot in life, a lot in, in growing up, a lot in not having control in certain things in life and a lot in from a young age being seen as i guess a target to be not just molded but uh i guess um sold to you know like a, a target market that over time with a lot of these sort of ways that your, uh, I don't know, emotions and desires are manipulated that you can fall out of step with yourself. I mean, look, like, what I'm really trying to say is, I know a lot of people who are colleagues of mine who are attorneys, who are doctors, who are, you know, in all sense, successful with their lives, but they don't know why the fuck they're doing it. And a lot of them don't care. You know, a lot of them are chasing, uh, just, uh, I don't know, like awards, uh, the best lawyer of the year award, the best, whatever for like plaques, just these plaques. And they, they're just doing it just to do it. And that's really pretty weird, right? When you think about this idea that maybe you only have this one life, maybe you only have so much time on this earth, uh, all of that, to spend that time engaged with something that you don't even care about, it's kind of fucked. And look, I'm not saying that everyone can... You know, I know there are realities. We all got to eat. We all got to do this and that, but blah, blah, blah. But even when we talk about like things like, uh, you know, oh, if you work something, you're, a job that you're passionate about, you'll never have to work a day in your life. 
the way that we talk about things like passion, the way that we talk about things like productivity or, or finding your truth are strangely, at least in America, a lot of the times curved to fall into a career that is beneficial to the current power structure, right? It's, it's rare that someone says, uh, you know, speak your truth, do the thing that you love, and they give you full props for, I don't know, being like a, like a beaver farmer or something like that, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, what I'm, this is a long-winded way of saying that I really think, and I don't, I don't, you know, maybe no one disagrees, but I really think that, uh, we're kind of being indoctrinated from the moment we're born into having desires that are maybe not ours. And a weapon in doing that is to kill any true sense of what can be the authentic self. Um, getting back to the political angle of it, right? Here we are about to come up on another election. And what do we see from the current candidates? Well, we have Biden, who no one wants. We have Trump, who really some people want, but no one wants. And then we have people who are coming out of the woodwork who seem like, oh, maybe they'll be a better candidate. Maybe they'll be someone who will actually speak to things like being against war. You know, someone like RFK Jr., who you immediately start to see starts to do all this weird shit. I mean, not to say that he wasn't doing weird shit before. I mean, the the brother was doing some weird shit, <laughs> like for sure. That's that's fair. Um, but you know, I you see this story about him coming out and saying, "Oh, I'm sorry for." I guess he reposted a tweet or something from Roger Waters uh, of Pink Floyd fame, and came back out and said, "Oh, I didn't know that Roger Waters was an anti-Semite." I'm sorry to have offended people, blah, blah, blah. I'm withdraw my statement and took down my tweet. But it's clear to anyone who's paying attention that here he is just being completely getting rid of anything that he actually may believe in in order to appear as a more uh, mainstream or a more digestible candidate robbing himself of any sort of actual critique or uh, like any sort of, uh, you know, uh, real sense of what he believes in, uh, obfuscating that to the degree that, uh, or in the hopes that he can sell himself as something else. And, not only are individual politicians doing this all the time, you know, if you think about why does no one I like ever run? Well, because the people you like are people most of the time. They're actually human beings, like real full-fledged human beings. They're not carefully cultivated uh, images and, and, and caricatures of human beings in order to fool you or to trick you into thinking that like, hey, you can, they can, they should be fucking elected. 
Like the the idea of even a, an authentic person running for office now is oftentimes so far from the reality of the sort of advertisements that need to be put out there in order to, uh, I don't know, get you to fill the hole with cheese sauce. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like it's, 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 uh, the name of the game is inauthenticity with the idea that uh, your voting for that person is somehow going to uh, change the the holes in your life, fill up the holes in your life. I hope I hope this is this is making sense, people. There, uh, what's the easiest way for me to put this put this through? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Biden's holes 2024. Yeah, that's I think that's the easiest way to put it through. I, I think it's this, you know. The God, how deep do I want to get in this? If I'm just gonna like fucking rant and people are just gonna listen, whatever. Let me just let me just try to get this all out. This is gonna be a little think, this is gonna be a little brainstorming session, everybody. This is gonna be me giving you my grand theory of everything and trying to help you understand it, how it can contribute to why I think almost just about everything nowadays, as far as politics, as far as, you know, the world that you're living in is, is a lot of propaganda and bullshit. And it's really the, 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 the long and short of it is because the authenticity is free, right? The, the idea that you can be a full-fledged, happy, genuine, like, good person and good version of yourself or whatever you want to be, no one can give you that. It resides within you already. That is something you are born with. That the, it is your right and your, it, it, is, it is in you, you know? The, look, the, 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 when you look at like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Nigerian on my father's side and when you get out of the country for a bit and you start just talking with different people, you start seeing the way that different people live, you realize how cheap, how truly cheap and inexpensive and, and, and like just truly free so much of what is sold to us in this country is. Things like uh, joy, having moments of actual, genuine joy, excitement for life. Um, these are things that are, these are things that people try to sell you and they try to give you, I don't know, they try to make you have an understanding that, or uh, some kind of belief that their absence, they're, they're, that you're almost born without it in your life. And look, some of us are born into really shitty situations, into traumatizing situations, into situations we have no control over, which it's, it, it's really bad. So I'm not trying to pretend it's not. But this idea that like somehow L'Oreal shampoo 
is going to make you hot or this idea that like hotness in in and of itself is is what gives you joy or happiness or this idea that you having this big job is what gives you happiness or joy or worth these are all things that are these are things that you may believe in because they've been advertised to you since you've been young and they're not true I mean, if you look at like tribes in, uh, God, there was one guy, I, f- I forget where it was from. Maybe it was South Africa. Uh, maybe it was just an African tribe where uh, it's some kind of documentary, but you know, some white guy is out there hanging out with them and asking them questions. And he says to a tribes member, you know, what's the most important thing in life? And obviously, you know, you ask me a question like that. I'm like, wow, man, maybe it's like, Maybe it's just like trying to find the authentic self. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, doing unto others as they would do unto you, blah, blah, blah. You know, I try to give some big philosophical answer. This guy asked his tribesmen, you know, what, what's the most important thing in life? And the guy just says straight up, no pause, meat. <laughs> meat is the most important thing in life. Like meat. <laughs> it's <laughs> very quick, like no problem. <laughs> Right. And he follows up with the question. He's like, well, what? Okay. What, um, what's the happiest you've ever been? And he was like, oh, oh, the happiest I've ever been when I went and I, uh, hunted an antelope and got meat for the whole tribe. And then we just danced all night. That's, (laughs) you know, that's, that's in some ways that's, that's like, true authentic happiness and that's cheap that's really cheap they have to make you think it's expensive and unobtainable to get you to comply to get you to think the way they think to get you to do the kinds of jobs that they want to do to get you to uh plug yourself in to the rat race And then they'll bring out their politicians who will, again, advertise the stakes of every one of these uh, elections as existential based on what? Based on a couple of key cultural issues while addressing none of the underlying actual structural economic issues. Why? Because the structural economic issues are these things that can actually be barriers to your ability to have a more self-realized, authentic sort of life. You know, you're not going to be thinking about... If you're struggling every day to make ends meet, it becomes difficult to, I guess, break through whatever matrix you're living in. You think maybe, I don't know, maybe if we vote for Marianne Williamson, we'll be happy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, 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 the main point that I've just wanted to make is, uh, there is a, I guess my theory here is that authenticity is cheap. It's free. You already have it. Advertising 
And a lot of this creation of desire in you is to get you away from that. And if you look at the purposes of advertising, the purposes of the messages of the people who are trying to sell you things, those kinds of incentives, who's trying to sell you what and why, what do they want you to believe? You can take that same sort of analysis and apply it to the news. You can apply it to your politicians. This will fit very well into the uh, propaganda model that we talked about uh, two weeks ago. And to give you an example, um, this will be the last bit, and then I'd love to take some callers. Uh, look, there is a <laughs> there's a way that there are these uh, again, there are these things that are sort of innate to you. These things that you just kind of have within you that you don't need me or anyone else or any kind of product or whatever the fuck to to just have, right? Now, one of them is this concept. One of the things that's innate with you is is your mind, your your autonomous sort of thinking mind. And in you know historically, there have been sort of practices and and different ways to sort of get you more in touch with your mind, with yourself, you know, uh, breathing exercises, meditation, Buddhism, these, these different philosophy, you know, Taoism, this, this kind of shit that kind of helps you just think and recenter and have some kind of spiritual and I don't know, like emotional and mental connection to your life, to your surroundings, to your existence. Uh, but I, I don't think I have to tell anyone here that mindfulness is now becoming one of these corporate buzzwords, right? It is completely detached from any of its spiritual sort of connections that it originates from, you know, from like Buddhist meditation and the like, and become completely a, a sort of corporate way for, or I'll put it this way, people are, are trying to use mindfulness without any of the spiritual sort of anything connected to mindfulness to get you to be more productive at work. And Fahim, you, 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 you are going exactly where I wanted to go here because mindfulness itself, the concept of mindfulness is actually being militarized, which is fucking insane. Okay. So, you know, mindfulness, this meditation, this sort of Buddhist uh, peace practice that you can use to just, I don't know, be more in touch uh, they're using it now to make the military better at shooting people. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, it, let me let me pull up this article. Um, hopefully, I get the same one that I had here. Uh, so this is an article from 2019 in the New York Times called The Latest in Military Strategy, Mindfulness. <laughs> like, what, dude? What are we doing? Dude, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? Let's look. Okay. Let me just see. So this is by Matt Richel. And this is from April 5th of 2019. Uh, if it was April 1st, I would have swore it was either uh, an Onion headline or a... Uh, an April Fool's joke, but 
Here's how the article starts. As commander of the coalition forces in Iraq, Major General or Major General Walter Piet juggled ruthless pursuits of enemies and delicate diplomacy with tribal leaders, using a trove of modern weaponry and streams of tech-generated data. But his best decisions, he said, relied on a tool as ancient as it is powerful. Major General Piat often began daily operations by breathing deliberately, slack-jawed, staring steadily at a palm tree. Mindfulness, the practice of using breathing techniques similar to those in meditation to gain focus and reduce distraction, is inching into the military in the United States and those of a handful of other nations. Uh, this winter, Army infantry soldiers at Schofield Bar Barracks in Hawaii began using mindfulness to improve shooting skills. For instance, focusing on when to pull the trigger amid chaos to avoid unnecessary civilian harm. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. You know, I when I'm in a room full of terrified Palestinian children uh, as a member of the Israeli Defense Force or whatever, I... I really just do my breathing exercises to make sure that like I don't end up spraying bullets into the bad children's heads. Like what the f like, bro, like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck is. What the fuck are we doing? I don't know. I don't even know really how to respond to that. But it's this idea that like, I don't know, like it, it, it's, it's, there's just something really ironic about taking one of the most traditionally, you know, like peaceful practices from a, like a non violent setting and trying to find a way to make it as violent as possible or as useful for the pursuit of violence as possible. And it's this idea that, I don't know, in, in some ways it's almost like they're trying to resell your own mind to you um, to make you think that, no, this mindfulness thing that could be, I don't know, like an anti-capitalist practice or whatever is really best served for our own ends to keep fighting our wars, to keep building our products, to keep doing those jobs that you hate. Just keep it up. Don't stop. It's that's what mindfulness is. I just think that's, I don't know, that's just completely fucked up, right? I can't be the only one who thinks that's completely fucked. Just uh, complete trash. <sighs> anyway, that's, um, let me, I guess, to wrap that up, right? Look, it's, it's, uh, Well, let's take some callers. Maybe I can wrap it up in a little bit, but uh, I kind of want to hear what Lysol has to say. Lysol, welcome back to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. Did you bring the Capri Suns? I've, oh, shit, I forgot the Capri Suns. Um, oh, no, man. but I, I do have your choice of sugar in measurement form. Would you like some bubble tape or some fruit by the foot? Ooh, I have to go with uh, bubble tape uh, this time around. I, I do need some of that long... Long, pink, delicious gum. Uh, unless you got some big league chew there, then I'll I'll take some of that as well. 
No, I, I was thinking about Big League Chew, but instead I got the um, what were those things called? It was like it was always right next to the Big League Chew, and it was like a sugar stick you could put in different colored sugars. Oh I, yeah, shit. Oh, what was it? Uh, it's SP, right? Is it Wonka? I don't know. Oh, fuck, Pixie sticks? No, no, no. It was it was like a, a big container like the Charleston Chew, and there was like a little like white wand. Cowtails? What, what was it? Cowtails? Um, it's not bell. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. We're we're nice we'll kids. Well, we'll get it yeah. at some point. Fun dip? Maybe I don't know. Fun dip. There we go. Fun dip. Yeah. Good job, Terry. Well done. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I know you like sugar, but have you ever dipped sugar in sugar? Delicious. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. So it's it's interesting you're bring you're bringing this the topic up of authenticity because I think I think honestly you could make an argument that authenticity is the most important trait people are looking for at least from like a political leadership perspective and therefore it's the most commodified trait and the hardest one to actually suss out which only increases its like kind of like abstract value itself like yeah. I've you know it's it's been funny to watch the left kind of you know decide after Bernie that no we have hard lines on things like Ukraine and Palestine and a bunch of things a bunch of like you know litmus tests that Bernie wouldn't have wouldn't have made it wouldn't have made it through and it was because he felt like an authentic person he, you know even if you didn't agree with him you didn't feel like he was just bullshitting you at all time right I think right also right. Trump's major major con- contribution too is like well yeah no but he's just a real person why the fuck would right. I vote for those monsters right right yeah yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I, I think it's, I think the 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 desire for authenticity is something that is a direct sort of reflection of how far from authentic things seem to be on a day to day basis for most people, and uh, you know, a direct response to things like the the Obama politicians, right? The people who are so polished and say all the right things and know how their messaging is and if they're ever in front of a camera, there's not a single piece of lint on their suits uh, because they have handlers for all of that shit. And, and they say all these pretty words and nothing changes. In fact, the, the, you know, the most that we have to show for it is a, a healthcare system that is still uh, exorbitantly expensive. That still excludes people from coverage. That still uh, allows for the profiteering of, human bodies and human ailments to, to extract money from them. Uh, so when people, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to you and I've said this plenty of times at this point though, too, I think that is why a lot of people were attracted to, to Trump in some ways. Cause in some ways there is a level of what seems more authentic, at least than others when people uh, see him speak. Right. He's like funny. He's like, he's like, will say shit you're not supposed to say, a uh, little reckless. Like, that is not polish, right? That's all, uh, you know, it's all uh, just just, just the kind of shit that, I don't know, makes people think, well, maybe this guy's got, maybe this person's actually being more authentic than uh, the shit that I'm used to. I mean, it, it was a hell of, so, my and um, stop me if I've if I've already repeated this type of stuff before, but the, I think it was Chris Hayes had a great his explanation for Trump was basically like if you're watching a farce, 
and it's like a big fancy dinner party and one guy doesn't know which fork to use and which like spoon to use you like you instinctively root for that guy and donald trump somehow managed to make his <laughs> personality just basic enough that we buy that he is an elite it's an incredible yeah. trick yeah 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 I, I i like that explanation a lot i mean it's look if i i'm not surprised i'll put it this way I don't think we're done yet by that. I mean, I think, I mean, you've already seen politicians who are trying to emulate Trump, right? Uh, you know, DeSantis trying to emulate him, but say, Hey, I'm competent. I think one of the problems he's going to run into is, you know, people are going to see through how phony he is. Uh, I think one thing about Trump is he can't really help, but be the guy who doesn't know what fork to use. Um, if that makes sense. Is that making sense? Like he's 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 like a fucking dumb idiot who is funny. <laughs> like I don't know I don't know what to say. Like he's he just fucking talks shit, uh, gets up there and shits on the political system and says a lot of things. You know, he I guess he doesn't try to pretend that a lot of the political system that we currently have is legitimate or functioning or you know working to the benefit of the voters. Uh, and I think there's power in that kind of messaging. I mean, I think Bernie was doing that much better and actually had a, a message that he could bring back that was, you know, like a, a message of what America could be, a message of what services we could provide, what a government could do. Uh, but again, he was kind of just, you know, screwed over by uh, the powers that be. So it's, 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 it's tough. Honestly, that, that might be the biggest problem we're going to see with AI entering the chat in the 2024 election is we're going to start seeing deep fakes and videos of things that look true that aren't possibly true. And yeah. it almost seems like a concerted effort to kill the concept of authenticity itself. Yeah. Just remember, the same reason why like billionaires don't like Elon is he is crushing the myth that they are special people. <laughs> yeah. that they earned, earned their position in life. And it's like, nope, if, if this guy can be worth $100 billion, I, I officially fuck the rest of you. Yeah, well, I mean, there's this, I mean, so much of, I think some of my reckoning is coming from this idea that so much of what America portends itself to be is a myth. And that myth is reliant on things like what you said, you know, like billionaires are inherently more capable, better people. Uh People deserve their lots in life. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I Frankly, I, I don't know if there's anything really anyone deserves. Uh, I don't know if there's really anything, you know, like from a standpoint of where we're at in life, a lot of us, I think it's impossible not to look at factors of luck, not to look at things that we conceivably had no control over and to realize that even if we do the best with what we have, even if we, you know, try as hard as we can, given the opportunities that are, that come to us, uh, the fact that an opportunity would come to us or not in large part is frankly, in a lot of ways, at least outside of most people's control. And I mean that in, in terms of, you know, like just being born when you're born, uh, 
you don't choose that. You don't choose to be born. You don't choose where you're born. You don't choose who your family members are, where you're raised. You, you don't choose any of this shit. You don't choose what kind of, whether or not you're born with uh, cognitive disabilities. You don't choose any of that shit. I mean, it, it's, that is all just luck of the draw. And to, you know, when, when you start to look at that, the idea of deserving anything starts to get a little ludicrous, right? I mean, it's, you know, have people been born with a silver spoon and fucked it all up from their own actions and stuff? Well, yeah, sure. I'm not trying to say that, like, no one can do no wrong, but this idea that, like, um, that we should constantly be rewarding the people who are, you know, the billionaires and the even the people who, you know, like, the lawyers, the doctors, the people who make the most of whatever and, and, you know, do something like cool, but shouldn't the, maybe the goal isn't to reward those people, but to create as many opportunities for other people to do that shit as possible. That's why I hate the phrase stakeholder. It's just like corporate are like, well, no, well, we have a vested interest in seeing how this shit goes down. It's like, no shit, man. You didn't have to change the name of what you are to convince us of that. We understand that you own the means of production. You got it. Yeah. 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 I know I'm always pushing Adam Curtis docs, docs on here, but have you heard of Vladislav Surkov? Vladislav? I don't even know if I even heard what you just said. Uh, the guy's name Vladislav, V-L-A-D-I-S-L-A-V, Surkov, S-U-R-K-O-V. He was known as uh, Putin's quote-unquote gray cardinal. And he features heavily in the hypernormalization Adam Curtis doc because what he did is basically like, okay, like, you know, in order to sow confusion about who's actually running, I'm going to create like a pro-LGBT uh, youth movement and fund it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to create an alt-right, you know, kind of like Nazi-adjacent party and fund it. And I'm going to let everybody know that I'm funding it. And the end result being there's a complete lack of authenticity. And with a lack of authenticity, it just comes down to who's the best liar. Mm. I'm I'm trying to look him up right now. That's kind of how I feel with R, like yeah. RFK right now. It's just kind of like he, his candidate is just there to like muddy the waters and confuse things yeah. just enough. Nobody actually comes out of the left. Well, I, I think, you know, I think there were parts of RFK from what I saw that seemed authentic too, but he's going to go down the same route as everyone else. I mean, look, there, if you're, if your goal is to be president of the United States and you're not willing to get up on stage and uh, or get up in front of people and say, no, like, I know this is unpopular, but I don't I don't give a fuck if it's unpopular. Like, I think it's the wrong thing. Like, I think the fact that, uh, you know, the IDF is uh, from all, you know, you have multiple humanitarian groups saying that they're engaged in basically an ethnic genocide. Uh, you just got to. Look, you got to say what it is. You can't just be fucking lying about shit. You can't just be going and and making shit up. Um, RFK is going to fall into that. I think a lot of the reason people don't like Marianne Williamson as much is because she's... uh, There are multiple reasons, right? Uh, But the... Not that she's going to cater to that as much. Uh, or cater to people as much, but the, some of the ideas that she has um, just kind of reveal 
how out of step she would be with the people with what people actually want right um but it's i don't know i look i i i'm i'm in a weird place man my this whole past year and a half has been i don't know how much electoralism really matters to be to be honest i i think it's still something we should be engaged in but uh whether it's rfk whether it's marion williamson whether it's uh you know dr cornell west who i really like uh i a lot of this election shit is just starting to seem like distractions man like ways to advertise that we are now is your chance voter to do something now is your chance to engage in democracy now is your chance to actually do politics and then the next four years don't do shit just sit on your fucking fat ass and don't do a fucking thing you stupid fuck just sit down there and don't do a goddamn thing it's like that's what it feels like man it just feels like the the whole idea is to ramp up get people to think that there's a choice get people to get engaged in something that is largely symbolic which is voting and then do nothing and be happy with it and you know that's the same reason why i mean like look the other thing is all these motherfuckers say they're going to do so much all the time. They all say it. No one in the fucking history of the United States of America has like come up and been like, yo, I'm, I'm going to make a bunch of promises or I'm not going to make promises. Cause I can't actually do that shit. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, Biden straight up lies to Bernie Sanders face and says, I promise you we'll get $15 an hour minimum wage for everybody, Bernie. If you drop out and he drops out, none happens. You know, I promise you I will get uh, student debt cancellation and I will immediately cancel the debts for HBCUs. That motherfucker didn't give a shit. He got in. He's like, all right, bye bye, niggas. And that was it. Boom. They're gone. You know, it's like it's like and it's not, you know, it's it's I guess the whole point here is that advertising in large part this you know all this advertising that's going on is almost like it's the antithesis of authenticity like this idea that it's it's almost weird too you know like i'm sorry i'm ran a little bit but i'm i'm just gonna spit for a little bit lysol and i know you 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 good for it so (laughs) like let me let me say you know like there's there's this Ugh, I don't want to like be shitting on anybody because I'm not trying to shit on people, but there's this ecosystem that's starting to develop too around like political content, right? This, it, it, it's almost like, you know, I've noticed it in, in doing this show, but you know, every week you need something to talk about and we start to, even if we want to talk about things that really matter things that can actually be tools to give people what we run into, especially if you're like an individual doing a show or something like that, is this is you, you need content. And with that content that you need, you say, Oh, okay, well what's going on in the news and what's going on in the news is, Oh, RFK isn't getting enough play. And Marianne Williamson isn't getting enough play. And let's talk about them or whatever, or let's have someone on, let's, you know, interview them. The, the problem is, like, none of those motherfuckers matter. Fuck these guys. Like, these are dumb, 
who gives a fuck? They're running for president. Whoop D motherfucking do. What are they going to change? What are they going to do? What are we? And I'm not trying to be a, a like a, a fatalist here, right? Because I, I do think it's worth running candidates. I think it's worth getting involved in the political process. But the idea that the talking points have to be around like RFK Jr. We got like 20 segments of talking about this motherfucker on like three shows and everyone's talking about the same shit. And it's like, what? We're missing the purpose of why they would want RFK Jr. in the first place. Like the the goal here, the thing that should be advertised is not RFK Jr. really himself, but the or the drama surrounding really the the shit around him or Marianne Williamson or whatever. It should be what 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 policies, what are the things that are making this candidate like have some kind of appeal in the first place? And how do we empower that? Like those movements to continue on to to gain traction to 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 like go forward right the, like it's 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 this idea that um it's very easy to get fucking distracted in this space and to 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 miss the forest from the trees i guess and and you know the it's it's just weird that i haven't heard anything about sort of it's all been about, I don't know, how RFK can get on stage or not get on stage or how Marianne Williamson can get on stage or not get on stage. It Like, what about how we can get health care? Like, what about the thing that we want her to get on stage for in the first place? Like, how the fuck do we do that? Like, why? I don't know. Like, why is there not an emphasis on that? And is it because it's not as interesting to talk about? Or it's not? I, I just don't know. I don't know. But I... I'm, that's that's why I want to invert the process. I mean, my my idea is to take the desire to have a candidate who wants to who who won't bend who won't bend the knee to Biden when it when it becomes politically uh politically advantageous, and have them run going outside of the system. Like I'm not running for anything. I'm just trying to get 10 million people who agree with the things that I'm saying. Build up a block yeah. and negotiate from a from a position of strength. Yeah, uh, I I think you know it's. And, and none of the current candidates are doing it, but I think a, a really well-run, savvy campaign could, you know, like say, I mean, honestly, dude, I think I think Dave Chappelle could get ten million dollars, could get ten million votes uh, running under the nihilist party. Be like, look, yeah. none of this matters. You know, it doesn't matter. Vote for me is a tacit, you know, admission that it doesn't matter. Because I mean, let's be honest, a vote for Trump was also kind of a, a tacit admission that it doesn't really matter who wins this shit. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. At least, at least in two thousand sixteen, I'd say that. Um, 2020, maybe not as much, um, but 2016, I mean, look, I remember here's, what's weird. Like I fucking hate everything Trump represents, but I remember thinking with Hillary, like how much of a, a fuck you, it would be if, if Trump won. And I think when people God, I don't want to go into grand theory of everything shit. But to me, you know, maybe it's just because I have a special little brain over here. Maybe it's because I've taken too many shrooms in my life. I mean, my friend, my friend has taken too many shrooms in his life. But this (laughs) idea, you know, like our situation in America is not happening in isolation. You know, really, the, the political situation, the economic situation, the the things like depression, uh, 
the deaths of despair, the drug crisis, all of these things are connected to each other, right? These are all conditions of the same sort of system. And what is, I guess what's bothering me is seeing how, despite all this evidence now, that that sickness is in the system, how hard the people who are either invested in the system or who are afraid of what kind of changes need to be made are clinging to something that is obviously not producing results. It, it is alarming to me how readily mainstream media is going right back to the same playbook of Trump in 2016. It is, it is alarming to me how, and, and, you know, maybe this contradicts what I was saying before about RFK. Um, but it's alarming to me how far out of the way the current like media structure is willing to go to ignore RFK's candidacy entirely, right? Or to ignore Marianne Williamson's campaign in its entirety. Now, again, the not that the story is that the savior is RFK or Marianne Williamson or that they should be or any of these fucking candidates. Who gives a shit about these guys? Like, it's not... You know, I'm not trying to say, like, that's salvation, is electing this one person, and then everything changes. What I'm saying is that there is a this, – this continued reliance on the propaganda and the filtering systems, what we're allowing to get through in the media and what we're not. The, how can all of these people, if they're so smart, these people who control these media companies, these people who control the country – these people control capital. If they're so fucking smart, how are they so comfortable doing exactly the same shit they just did and expecting these kinds of different results? Like, what the fuck are these people doing? There is no, there's no vision. It's, it's, it's alarming. There's absolutely no vision. They don't, they don't see any kind of future. I mean, or, or the future that they see, the way that they're trying to prevent whatever future they, they fear from happening, is by correcting absolutely none of their mistakes. Like the, the, the complete laugh, lack of self-awareness, you know? It, it's, it's just fucking wild. Like, how do you do that? Like, Lysol, you were talking earlier about, like, um, when I was talking about, uh, like, experiences with, like, just anger and emotions and... And you were talking about how a lot of that was coming from, uh, at least in your experience, it seemed like in the chat, from your sense of like a need for control, right? Is that about right? Yeah, I was actually, I, I hit a guy over the head with a bottle and part of my plea deal was taking a, a court mandated anger management class that honestly fucking changed my life and is the only reason why I'm, I'm here right now. And yeah. so I'm, I'm a, a big, big advocate. And it was about finding your authentic self, about like, un, you know, unlearning the male role belief system and about like emotional intelligence and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, was an, I was an angry young man. And the only 
the only societally acceptable emotion I was allowed to show was anger, which isn't even really an emotion. And so that's, that's what I did. Right. And, and, and you said that it changed your life, right? Like honestly changed your whole life, right? Your, your entire outlook on things let you be someone different, let you learn from your mistakes and, and grow and develop. Right. Yeah. Combination of that and getting into drag, definitely very eye opening things. But that's also part of exploring your authentic self, right? Like that's one of the things with drag. That's one of the, you know, one of the reasons too, I'm just going to throw this out there why like a lot of marginalized communities seem just a little more real about shit um, is because they are allowed to explore these bits of their authenticity by virtue of being marginalized, by virtue of already being uh, excluded. Uh, They're able to dwell, you know, like jump into these things that, uh, other people would not because they're so obsessed with the conformity aspect. But when you are unable to conform, when society doesn't allow you, even if you conform as hard as you can to be within the society, well, then it kind of gives you a, an opportunity to, to jump out of that and to explore your authentic self. Right. Um, a little bit of an aside, but you know, when you talk about your ability to actually learn from your mistake and to grow, I think, it's clear, at least to me, that, you know, people like Elon Musk, when you have too much power, when you have too much money, and when everyone around you is just affirming everything you already believe because they either rely on you for a paycheck or they just, uh, you know, they're going to just, they, they want to be close to you. They want to be close to power. Uh, you kind of end up continuing to be that angry person hitting people over the head with bottles and no one checks you. There is no sort of opportunity there for you have the ability to shut down any sort of self growth, right? Any sort of, you know, make things better. Uh, And that seems to be what's happening again with our political cycle over and over and over again. It's, it's this, it's people who, refuse to have any sort of self-reflection to, to really acknowledge how their system is actually working against them as well. Right. That's, what's fucking crazy about it. Like no one is benefiting from Trump getting into office here, like you guys included, but what they want to do is they want to, you know, they want to shut out other voices, uh, not advertise certain candidates. And then, we in turn are just fucking talking about these candidates and, and not focusing enough on getting the shit through, uh, getting the, like making the actual revolutionary change. I don't know. I, 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 there's just a lot on my mind all the time. I'm sure all of you too, but I mean, what are your thoughts on that Lysol? I think they're actually prepping us for Trump. I don't, I don't know if you watch SNL at all. I, I just watch the cold opens because they tend to be, you know, kind of like statements about current events or culture. And it's also a pretty good guide to what well, the average person walking around my city of San Francisco has been told to think about things. And yeah. they have definitively moved Trump from Alex Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, scary, dangerous guy to a lovable old grandpa who just talks too much and like, doesn't, you know, just, he's like, he's super goofy. And it's like, I know, I mean, to me, George W. Bush is still the voice of John Stewart in the face of Will Ferrell. I know that yeah. most people, when they think about yeah. these people, think about the person who plays them on the most popular media form. And so yeah. I, I've noticed that, and I'm kind of like, that 
that can't be, that can't not be intentional. It ha- that that has to be an intentional choice on their part because you know they know that the, how they how they portray Trump sets the stage for how the rest of people pay pay attention to Trump and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, to me, like the, the stuff with electoralism, I come I come back to it. Um, you know, we criticize Marianne Williamson, but I'm still pretty sure her bringing up reparations out of fucking nowhere in that debate is the only reason why both California and San Francisco are talking about setting aside a portion of their budget for reparations and are entertaining that concept itself. We've yeah. talked about climate change exactly once in the last two years, and it was when somebody threw paint threw soup at a fucking painting. So it's like unless unless yeah. you have another plan to yeah. throw this, I think electoralism is as good a, good a path as 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 any other. I'm willing to listen to outside paths, but you got to explain to me wh- how they're going to force anybody to pay attention to you. No, because I agree with that. And they will ignore you. Like Bernie went from like 0% to 50%. Like there, there ought to be, there ought to be rant, you know, you know, RCTs about that and trying to figure out like how he got from there to there. And I think it has yeah. to do with authenticity. I, I mean, it, I, I believe that too. I, you know, the authenticity and, and, and the consistency with which he, it was the more you looked into Bernie, the more you realized that this motherfucker was for real. So it is the authenticity piece, I think. And, you know, also it was the first time, I mean, I'll be frank. I mean, it was the first time a lot of us had heard ideas like that uh, in the political sphere. I mean, we, we, you know, the most Obama gave us was uh, you go back and you watch his speeches, very low on actual policy, very high on the feelings that invoke that are invoked when we think of policy changes, right? When we think of hope and change, well, we think of things like, well, the hope of being able to actually afford your own life, the, the, the change of being out of debt, the, the hope of being able to go to a hospital and, and, and be cared for. Uh, so he connected with the emotional element, but devoid of policy, there was just, there was no there there. And that's, you know, uh, I mean, it, that was different it, with Bernie. It's tough for me specifically with Obama because, as a political science person, I was looking forward to the fact that it was this is the first time somebody who had a political science degree was going to be president since Woodrow Wilson. And uh, 2008 was a, a fucking a weird, Ooh. scary time where our economy was breaking down and we were stuck in two fucking wars that weren't going anywhere. And Obama, like, I voted for Obama because he said the things I wanted to hear. I'm going to close Guantanamo, going to get us out of these wars, I'm going yeah. to. Yeah, <laughs> going to make the bankers pay. Like I, I didn't vote for him yeah. on Biden. I, I voted for him on policy. You know, that's a good point too. I, I mean, I, the the yeah, yeah, the 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 war part was a big part of it. That was a huge part of it. Um, and the Guantanamo Bay, but it, you know, that geez, that not only did that not come to pass. I mean, my God, like we still have when people someone there. says that. You said what? We still have people there. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty-two yeah. years. I mean, he to in. Oh man, it's we've been through it, y'all. We really have been through it, honestly. I mean, it's 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 hard not to feel defeated at times, or to feel you know like I don't know, like to feel bad about what we've been through, I guess, but. Uh, you know, this is a safe space to process our trauma collectively, right? Uh, the same thing with Ron Paul. I, I agree. It was kind of yeah. like, you know, I mean, in my mind, once the last Occupy Wall Street was broken up, the spirit of the movement flew up into the air 
surveyed America from below and then flew right up the left nostril of Bernie Sanders and took place yeah. there. Like it was like Occupy yeah. Wall Street was a candidate. Like there was there was an undeniable appeal. Yeah, there was. And he, and he and that's why he's the biggest disappointment. And that's why we're all four million of Bernie's ex-boyfriends and girlfriends just trying to figure our shit out now. I mean, I'd still fuck him. I'll be real. If he asked <laughs> me to take me back, dude, I would be I, I would be like, you hurt me real bad. But uh, but I've always been, you know, probably to my detriment, someone who is willing to basically take the lesser of two evils. And I think I'm just now getting to the point to where I, I'm starting to realize like how fucked that can be in the long run. That is not a, it's not a good enough strategy. It just does not work. I mean, that's how we got to where we're at. And it's, it's really when, when the game is limiting the amount of options and obfuscating the real evils, uh, which are then both supported by the uh, either party, uh, then what are you actually doing there? You know, at that point, you you end up being more of a pawn in in the big game, which is why I'm starting to get so, uh, you know, focused on pushing policy, policy, policy. Not that I don't think running candidates is is good. Still, I, I just think, uh, you know, that's the the movement's got to be more than just vote every four years. I mean, I think most people agree with that right but yeah i mean it's 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 funny because coming back to the authenticity bernie and trump were like authentic in completely opposite ways like bernie was authentic in that he was consistent and trump is authentic as in everybody pretends to be consistent and he was being human like i i, I still think to a yeah. certain extent, trump just kind of believes whoever he heard last which is why i always wanted to engineer a situation where he and bernie got stuck in an elevator for two hours so i'm pretty sure they would come out of it he would be like this Bernie guy, great. We had the beauty. We had a beautiful conversation. It was the perfect conversation. Y'all get two thousand yeah. dollars. Sorry about holding that six hundred back. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. <laughs> going to run on I stimulus checks, and Biden's Biden's going to be like, "Well, I restarted student debt payments. That's something." Yeah, yeah, it is something. But, but, um, <sighs> well, I appreciate you uh, keeping me sane, Lysol, and and giving me yeah, some uh enjoy the bubble tape yeah i will i can't wait no 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 no, no. it's my favorite yeah. <laughs> all right take care all right brady welcome back what do you got uh what's going on with the proxy party what's happening it's been a, it's been a new photo nice and nice and shirtless showing some some of that chest oh, yeah i killed a pikachu i killed a pikachu his head is on my wall i just want to let show show him off. I'm a I'm a real man. Oh, nice. I'm a real Pokemon. I killed a Pikachu. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's been a really vindicating week, and it actually started with something really cool. Um, me and Dr. Cornell West have had like this twin path for a minute. You know, back in about five years ago, I got fired from my job at a co-op community garden, and the very same day. Dr. Cornell West got fired from his job at Harvard for talking shit about Israeli foreign policy. So I was, that, that's literally the same thing. It, yeah. Well, you would be surprised. I actually got fired from the co-op because of an argument over nine 11. <laughs> so oh, no. It literally was okay. the same thing. It literally was the same thing. Like, 
it's just like too many weird parallels like that, you know? And so, uh, yesterday, three, four days ago, I was, uh, making an example because I got no human help in developing the proxy party. It's just, it's not a party. It's just me. You know what I mean? And, um, Mm -hmm. so I wanted to exemplify how useful AI could be. And at the same time, take a jab at all the useless critics of mine who like to sit on the sidelines and, you know, complain about everything that I do while they do nothing for years. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, you know who they are. You know how haters are. It's cool. They, they come with the territory. Yeah. I mean, but um, you have a way of, of collecting haters, man. If you had the same way of collecting, a, I got a way uh, of doing things, uh, man. People to the party. That we, we, anytime we, you do, the revolution would have started. Yeah, anybody who does anything is going to have haters. You know, um, NPC haters. Yeah. NPCs hate people who do things. That's just all. That's just life. You know, but um, well, is that what NPCs do? Though? I'm sorry. Is that what NPCs actually do? They hate anyone who does anything, whether they do it good or bad. They just hate anyone who who makes them feel feckless and maybe like they could be doing more with their lives. They they it makes them physically hurt. <laughs> but why 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 would that make people physically hurt? Like why would? I mean, when I think NPCs, I think video games, right? Well, humans and video game. I mean, that's where you're using it from, right? Like NPCs from video games who are kind of like there and to, to use you know, the, uh, you know, and then let's, the, let's, let's change the, the term to synthetic liberal. Sort of that might be a more accurate term for what I'm describing. You know, turn in and stuff. And then they're okay. synthetic. Liberal. Right. So a synthetic so, lefty, someone who likes to appear progressive, okay. synthetic progressives, synthetic I think is the perfect term, actually synthetic progressive. So they like to feel progressive. They like to feel like they're doing something. They really like to feel like they're doing something with their lives, but, Upon further examination, you'll find not much is happening or going on. And um, anytime these people come in contact with someone who is doing anything, be it good or bad, whether they're failing or succeeding, um, these people become psychologically triggered to the point of aut- like autistic outburst and uh, like mental, you know, breakdown. And um, this is like, let's not get sidetracked on this. We're talking about Dr. West. Yeah. All right. So the interesting that happened, right, right, right. The interesting yeah. thing that happened the other right. day right. is okay. uh, I was using chat GPT to right, right, right. rewrite the proxy party platform in the style of Dr. Cornell West, Slavov Zizek, George Carlin, Jimmy Dore. And I got some pretty cool responses out of it. It did a really nice job of... Uh, reinterpreting my party platform in the style of those people. And then just three days later, Cornell West announced his uh, run for presidency in the People's Party, Nick Brana's party. Let's just call it what it is, Nick Brana's party. It's not the People's Party. It's Nick Brana's party. So from now on, I don't want to hear anybody calling it the People's Party. Let's call it what it is. It's Nick Brana's party. Um, so Somehow or not, I think this is a really good demonstration that just Harvard will hire anyone, you know. Um, I love Dr. West. He's not right about everything. He's not right about Christianity, but I still love him, you know. Um, but uh, probably the only Christian I would ever vote for again in my life, honestly, I, I feel like. Well, I, I don't okay. know. Maybe Jill Stein was Christian. I don't know. But not to get sidetracked again on Christianity. But uh, okay. Uh, it's been really vindicating to hear people have to have the conversation that I've been trying to have for like years. Like, 
we need more parties. You know, obviously the People's Party and Nick Brana's party is a cesspool of his own megalomania, him and his fathers. It's a nepotistic cesspool of megalomania, is exactly what it is. And uh I don't even know who Nick Brana is. Oh my god. All right. Let's not even go there uh-huh. yet. But he's a he's a sex pest. He's basically a sex pest. And we're all familiar with sex pests and how they behave. He's he's a megalomaniacal sex pest. Um, they're everywhere, and um, so yeah. But but Dr. Cornell West signed up with this guy for whatever reason. Now maybe there's some redeeming qualities. Maybe Nick Braun is a good organizer. He's got a hold of some money, something like that. Whatever. Um, but I think it's necessary for us to build a legitimate proxy party to the left of libertarians, to the left of the Green Party, more more effective than the Green Party, uh, more effective than the People's Party, more legitimate than the People's Party. And let's just invite Dr. West over. He'll hop right over, man. No problem. You know what I'm saying? Like we can build something better than the People's Party in six weeks on Colin if everyone tried. We could do it in one week. If people tried hard, if people helped a little bit, if we spent all this time that we spend talking to each other here on Colin, like actually organizing and making things happen in the real world right here from Colin, we could have had all this stuff sewn up a year ago. Why don't you give me a step by step? Why don't you give me a step by step of how you go about doing that? You know what? I don't know. So oh, God, Biden, what you everyone doing? gets um, together. We uh, yeah. What, I think what, there's okay. two you know what? platforms yeah. let's, let's, that are necessary. How would, how would the one being a completely open platform where anyone who has an idea for the platform can put it in? It can be a dumb, stupid, goofy idea. Doesn't even have to be a serious one. If anyone has any ideas at all, it goes in the open platform. From there, we also have a democratic platform where we take all of those open sourced ideas and we collectively vote on like, what are the top 100 points from this, these uh, platform points that we want to focus on first? And let's just start with the top 100. And I think the first, the top five should be in, in this order, clean water. That means clean, like distilled, pure, clean water, the absolute cleanest water people can get beyond clean water. Um, also... Uh-huh. Access to ionized water for our cleaning products, and for the candidate start hosting proxy debates. Um, I can pretend to be Dr. West. Uh-huh. Someone else can pretend to be RFK Jr. We could start hosting proxy debates right here on call. In it Sorry, doesn't take. I don't mean to interrupt. We could do it in twenty minutes, and we would have one. Like how how does? I, I was looking for more of a like a a, a plan of how that would action alone certainly West. would not. Uh, in a week or six. Um, what you would have to do after that to, would be to, uh, of course, share it with people and get the word going on. Like, hey, we're hosting proxy debates. We're building a proxy party. Um, here's the proxy party platform. We have two platforms. One's open, one's democratic. And we're looking for candidates, proxy candidates. So even if Dr. West doesn't want to join us, who cares? Why, we're still why, building why a movement. Why would that make Dr. West um, come we can over invite, to um, be the Ralph candidate? Ralph Nader to join the proxy party, you know? Um, Jill Stein, uh, Ajamu Baraka, Sabi Sabs. Um, there's any, uh, and then also a whole country's worth of working class people and homeless people who could also be candidates for the proxy party. And then we just running them as writing candidates. We run them. 
we jump over the hurdle of ballot access by running them as write-in candidates. And of course, we do everything we can at the same time to get them on the ballot. So we, we go for ballot access, but at the same time, we acknowledge that, hey, we're not going to like get dissuaded if we, we're not going to just give up if we don't get ballot access, you know, that's just part of the plan, part of a larger plan. Um, and we can always write. Yeah, I guess I just, it was a very specific sort of, um, Mm-hmm. I I got like I I Brady I always like your enthusiasm I always do uh, I think I think I mean I I, I guess know, I just because, don't understand how yeah I don't need to say yeah free water free where they get food free you know, housing for everyone you know, or at least when I say free yeah, I, I mean subsidized by like, taxpayer you money you know we we have taxpayer funded <laughs> access to free, clean, ionized, if you want, water um, for your drinking, your cooking, your bathing, cleaning, your garden, all those bases completely covered for free. Um, Your food, completely organic, free, covered for everyone. Doesn't matter how old you are, if you got a job or not, what the fuck. We We have some free organic food that is clean and safe that you could have no matter what. Number three, housing. Everyone has a place to live. We have housing, bam, figured out. There's earth ships. There's 3D printed houses for 20K. Um, there's an obvious solution to the problem. We already have plenty of buildings that are empty. That, that problem is easy to fix. After that, we have electricity and um, communications taken care of. I feel like electricity and communications together in a package is rather important for the modern household in the modern human. And uh, after that, let's just acknowledge that with all those four bases covered, healthcare would basically take care of itself after that. And um, along with the organic food, I would offer that we need access to plant medicines like cannabis and psychedelics. Just add that to the mix, treat them like alcohol. We can regulate them just like alcohol. And that would make the entire world a better place. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 like I said, man, I like your enthusiasm. I always do. Um, I guess it's just, I, 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 my mind, I need more concrete steps of how we get to places. That's all. Um, maybe that could be helped out. I'm building community gardens, and so that's like the first action that I'm taking. What I'm suggesting that we do as a party is instead of taking campaign contributions and wasting it on merchandise and fucking advertisement and fucking tours and all this fucking dumb shit, we can digitally tour and host digital town halls every single fucking day of the year for free. You know what I mean? doesn't cost anyone anything to do that. None of the candidates did that in, in any of the last elections. Fuck them. You know, they're not real. Uh, And so we could be doing that for free and then taking all of that actual money and democratically allocating it towards mutual aid projects that we execute um, transparently and um, just let our actions advertise themselves. 
and the party would take off in no time flat. If we could find a city that needs clean water and we can hook them up with like the Moses West Foundation and we can get them like a badass machine. And we said, yep, you're welcome on behalf of the proxy party. You guys have fun. That just walk away. They yeah. would call us for yeah. interviews. You know what I mean? They'd be calling us for interviews. We wouldn't have yeah. to bug them for interviews. Yeah. They'd be calling us. You know what I'm well, saying? I, I, well, I think, I, I hope so. you know, like hope you're so. comfortable. Get some people together. And if you guys, I mean, I look, understand you, you enjoy know, the current my, my, status my quo on and the power structure as it is uh, as a lawyer. But hey, you know, it's working people, people got to level the playing field sometime. Um, you know, <laughs> we're coming for you. <laughs> you're going to have to you're gonna yeah. do some real work. You're going to have to do some real work. Get ready. I'm just, yes. That's good to hear. That's good to hear, man. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I think it's, I think, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I hope so. I hope so. I know that you want the same things that I want and we all want the same. Yeah, yeah please do. Come I can't wait, buddy. I can't wait. Make me. Um, uh, yeah. Well, anyways, as always, thank you, Brady, for calling in. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, he's got a proxy party, people. Um, look into it. Look into it. Uh, <sighs> I uh, I hope we can actually do something, guys. I I I, I really do. Um, I don't really have much else to say. I guess just, you know, give a quick summary. Maybe we wrap up. We all go do our own thing. I'm going to take a hot bath and chill. I'm going to be in a bath like a bath, bitch. I do not care. I'm mm, some bubbles and shit. That's happening. Uh, I guess the thing, you know, just to kind of wrap up, why did I want to talk about advertising and, and authenticity today? Uh, if you can understand how much you are inundated with just advertisements day in and day in and day out, then you can also understand that those advertisements, the whole point of them is to fill you with desires, uh, try to connect you with uh, different hopes, dreams, and sell you, uh, compel you to buy a bunch of shit in an attempt to fulfill those dreams or fill up those holes or do whatever, uh, then you can understand that a lot of your life day to day really is just about shaping your mind, making you believe certain things about yourself and about the world that you live in, and making you narrowing down the 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 possible solutions that are available to you to actually address your true problems. One of the easiest ways to do this, or one of the most effective ways, is to make you as confused as possible about what your authentic self is, quote unquote. When in reality, your authentic self is existing right now. Who you are is just, you don't have to do anything to be who you are. You don't need to buy anything to be who you are. You don't need to, you don't need to get in shape. You don't need to do anything. There's nothing, right? Who you are is who you are. That's your authentic self already. That's, you own that. That's free. And getting better, getting, I guess, more acquainted with 
yourself as you are with that kind of acceptance can make you a little more hip to why people are trying to turn you into something else. Because it turns out, like, uh, you know, this system, a capitalist system in particular, but a system where you are a worker or you are, your labors is being depended on by somebody to exploit value. Uh, they don't, they're not interested in, in your authenticity or your mindfulness. They're interested in your obedience, your obedience, your compliance, your, uh, agreement to be subjected. And how do they do this? Well, they try to keep you as confused as possible. And some of this is not all planned out together, right? Some of this is not all happening in a big dark room somewhere where the elites are all meeting and figuring out how to best exploit your mind. But there's a lot of those factors that, that I mean, that's how powerful corporations and people, uh, that is always to their benefit, right? The idea that they they have the solution for your problems, which they are creating or beginning or, 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 or manifesting, right? And a lot of those things, I mean, like if you start looking at your own insecurities and shit, uh, to the extent that you have them, uh, Brady obviously has none. <laughs> Shout out to my boy, Brady, completely secure in everything that he's doing. Um, but if you start looking at that, I mean, you could start seeing the ways that, uh, the system is not, not, I mean, you, most of the people who are listening to this already kind of have some inkling of how things are rigged against them, but to really understand how, uh, there is so much power in keeping you confused and in keeping you right on the edge of like, sadness and despair, but also need. Uh, you need to have your basic needs met. You need housing. You need all these things. I mean, that's, it's, it's not an accident. It's a filtering system. <laughs> it's a filtering system and it works the same way with politics, right? It's the same thing that's going on with a lot of the people who are, a lot of the times when people are clamoring for your vote, when they're trying to appear this way or that way, you know, you have a bunch of people out here who are Republicans now who are all trying to be fucking Trump or the Marlboro, Marlboro man or whatever the fuck, right? Like they're, 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 they're trying to sell some aspect of some caricature and say that the problem that you have is something that's not truly the problem, Right. There's no way in hell, even if you believed everything that was being said about trans people right now, statistically, purely on numbers alone, there's no fucking way in hell that all of the political problems in this country are caused by a tiny, teensy, tiny subset of transgender people. That's fucking insane. It makes zero sense. But they have to sell these kinds of messages that it's woke corporations or woke whatever or just whatever. They just have to give you something to fucking confuse you and advertise that, hey, I'm actually going to solve a problem. But it's not a problem. There is no actual problem there. They're creating it and manifesting it so that they can sell you a solution to something. Remember, 
advertisements are not interested in whether the product advertised actually works as advertised. They don't give a fuck. They don't actually want to solve the problem for you. In fact, like pharmaceutical companies, it's better sometimes to keep, to give you a temporary relief or a temporary belief that the problem's been solved so that they can keep selling you that solution, that bullshit solution, right? If you have a sickness, they want to maintain it because curing it's not as profitable. If you have a, a, you know, a belief that you're, you're ugly or something, you know, like, first of all, and also you could think you're ugly. I'd fuck every one of you. I'd fuck every one of you right now. I don't give a fuck. Okay. If, if, and if, if I would fuck you, you're fine. You're doing great. Okay. You're fantastic. Don't even worry about it. But like this idea that like, you know, if you think that you're ugly or something, they're selling you makeup. They're selling you something to constantly sort of, you constantly have to apply to get some sense of self-worth and satisfaction when that's not the permanent solution to that. The permanent actual way to solve that is free and it resides in you already, right? That is, that's the game, right? That's what, it's all propaganda, right? It's, 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 it's creating needs that you don't have if that makes sense, right? It's rebranding things that are free to to um, be utilized and weaponized in ways that they were never intended. You know, things like mindfulness or being in tune with yourself or your passions, right? Every time someone is talking about what are you passionate about, they have to mention a fucking job afterwards. What the fuck are you talking about? What am I passionate about a job? Like that connection between the two, it... The, you're pat it's not enough for you to be passionate about something right it's it's that you have to be passionate about something that will make you money that could be monetized that could be sold like that's that's the game here right and the same is applying with politics it's and the same is applying with when we're looking at news stories when we're looking at okay you know incorporating mindfulness into the military when we're looking at stories of, oh, um, incorporating, like, when we're invading Iraq or we're invading uh, Russia or whatever to promote democracy, you know, because you care about freedom or you care about X, Y, and Z good thing, we have to help them because uh, Gaddafi is bad because he's a bad guy and he kills people. And obviously we don't do that. You know, it's it's what if you look at policy a lot of the times the same way you look at advertisements you're going to learn some things and how do you look at advertisements well one know that they're always trying to sell you something even if they're not selling anything remember the purpose of an advertisement is to get viewers to engage in some type of behavior or have some type of emotional response its primary purpose is to influence behavior and generate demand. They're trying to create a connection between what they're selling, their product, and the fulfillment of your desires or making you believe that acquiring the product is going to bring you happiness or success or attractiveness or social, you know, like um, whatever you, acceptance, right? 
that's but that's not that's not true right it's not necessarily true but that's the game they're doing the same with politics right now i mean desantis look every time he mentions wokeness or something like that he's just trying to throw some red meat at the base and then he's going to rob those motherfuckers of their social security and he's going to fuck their grandma he's going to fuck every one of their grandma in their ass I mean, if I'm being frank, I mean, that's 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 the game here is remember, they don't care if the product actually solves a problem. They just need to they need you to buy it. They need you to buy it. Uh, And, you know, we talked about how authenticity can be a, a a way to slow down and look at what you're being sold. Slow down and look at what you actually need in your life. Look, I think, I, honestly, I to get a little bit into like my backstory a little bit, I mean, I wasn't poor growing up, but we were roughing it for a little bit here and there. And not roughing it as much as other people were roughing it, even close, but like, you know, it got, yeah, it wasn't exactly, I mean, we were safe. Right, we were safe, but like uh living in a little apartment with uh you know, sleeping on a camping mattress for like a year, your senior year of high school when it's you're sharing a room with your little brother and sister in a two bedroom little apartment. Uh you 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 sort of realize in moments like that, like it sounds I'm not saying it to be like, Oh, boo hoo, I lived in a tiny little house for a little bit or whatever, right? Like it just makes you realize like, okay, well, was I happy? Yeah, actually. Like that was in college. I lived in a fucking basement. This, this is true. I lived in a unfinished basement, like an actual unfinished people had to go down there to do their laundry. And it was a, it was an illegal sort of uh, housing situation because the other half of the basement was converted into another apartment for some guy down there, we'll call him Mark. And Mark was like a 56 year old, like guy who was uh, addicted to crack. So at the time, it's just me down there smelling Mark cooking up that crack rock, making me real hungry. (laughs) But like, for real, like he was, he living in like this shit ass fucking situation. I mean, imagine trying to get like fucking laid there man like (laughs) bro my game had to be crazy if that was gonna happen but like it's i'm just saying this to say that like that was rough i was depressed and stuff in college but like honestly looking back if i had to go and do that shit again i mean you don't need much man like like I couldn't afford shit, but somehow some of the friends I was able to connect with, some of the things I was able to discover about myself, and I don't know, like just my uh you don't you don't need all that shit to 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 feel an authentic sort of like connection to your life, to your existence. You know? You don't need any of that shit. But 
whenever people, I guess if there's anything I can leave you with, it's this. To the extent that people are going out of their way, advertisers and politicians and whatnot are going out of their way to to try to make you feel something. Just to 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 make you feel something, I guess, inadequate about yourself or to 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 give you some kind of want or desire that only they can solve that the, only they have the magical you know tonic solution to dole out onto you then you should be saying well that's awfully fucking convenient that's awfully awfully fucking convenient and when someone like you know, Trump is saying, like, I alone can fix it. Especially after being in office for four years and fixing nothing. Um, that's just propaganda. I got so much pussy in that little basement. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> in that little unfinished basement. I got so much ass. Uh, I did not. <laughs> I, did not. I was fucking awkward in college, man. I'm not gonna lie. I was not a. I was not. Uh, I was not in tune with my uh, my sexual delicious self that I am now. Uh, I know that sounds so hot. Okay, that's enough. I think it's time for me to go. <laughs> I think it's time for me to go. This was class. Uh, thank you for coming. Probably next time on class, I, I would like to do at least one more media literacy class uh, that really gets into examples of how just going over articles, how do you recognize bullshit while it's happening? I'd like to do that. And then after that, I'm hoping to do another music episode just to like, it can't be all politics all the time, dude. I want to talk about Marvin Gaye and I want to talk about what's going on. Uh, which I think is one of the greatest albums of all time. And I want to put it into context. I just fucking love that album. I'm talking about Marvin Gaye. You can tune in if you want. And if you don't, you fucking suck, dude. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Anyway, thank you for coming back to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. Uh, love y'all. Uh, Bill, maybe we'll do a media class with me. We'll bring him back. But uh, y'all have a good night. Take care uh, of yourselves in particular and each other. Uh, who used to say that? Take care of yourselves and each other. I don't know. John Stewart. Who knows? Oh, Derek is calling in. I don't know if he meant to call in. Let me. I'll always say hi to Derek real quick, though. Derek, what's going on? What's up? Yeah. Sorry, you got to go. But I wanted to say Zach is back. So my worries. I saw him. I saw him. Yeah, yeah I, was, cool, I was happy to cool. see him. Yeah, which was yeah, good. That was a relief. So, so thank you for that. But Zach is back, baby. Zach is back. So um, uh, thank you all. Y'all have a good night and uh, take care till next time.